0: Good morning, church. Coffee mug Christianity. Ah, (laughs) You know, I, I, I love, you know, this time of the year. I think more than any other time of the year in our home, at least me, I use a mug the most. You know, of course, being from Brazil, I'm always drinking coffee any time of the year. But come winter, especially July... A mug gets used a lot, and, and I wonder if in your homes the same doesn't happen. You know, you, you use a lot of coffee, a lot of mugs going on. And so I thought, you know, it's winter, it's cold, we do enjoy mm, nice hot beverages, you know. So I thought, let us have some fun and, and spend some time around this theme of coffee, mug, Christianity. Amen. And it will make sense to you just now when we kind of jump into the uh, message. But um, first of all, welcome to everybody, those of you present, those of you watching us online, those of you listening to this message. It is just great to have you with us. Very special welcome to my friends, Pastors Johan and Elektra. They're just visiting today. You know, you've, you've probably um, heard them before here. And you'll be coming again, but next time he comes, he's going to be on top here, not sitting down there. You know. And uh, we've had some wonderful times in ministry in Mozambique, and Angola, Swaziland, and here in South Africa. And uh, it's such a privilege to have them with us today. And to every one of you. Most, most welcome. Amen. And I hope you'll be blessed this morning as we dive into this, into this message. Now, uh, this series, Coffee Mug Christianity, is about bringing clarity to cliches. Cliches. Now, what is a cliche? A cliche is a phrase or a saying that has become overused. And because we use it so much, it begins to lose its meaning or its significance. And so, we say these things often without really meaning them. It's just, they just sound nice. At certain given times, it's just good to say those things, you know? Cliché is something that has become overly familiar and commonplace. Originally, when they were first used, they may have been a striking statement. They may have, um, you know, meaning at that time and, and, and touched people. But popularity made them seem trite, turning them into what we now, now know as cliches. Here's a few examples. Common cliches. All that glitters isn't gold, <laughs> all right? Or things like, this is a good one, eh? We're not laughing at you, we're laughing with you. Heard that one? It's just a cliche. People are actually laughing at you, but then when you challenge them, no, we're not laughing at you, we're laughing with you. <laughs> Clichés that describe time, only time will tell. And that ever popular, popular one, time flies. Why do you say that? Because he does. I mean, it's almost Christmas, right? And we just started the year. <laughs> Clichés that describe people. He's Fit as a fiddle. It doesn't look like a fiddle. And what's so fit about a fiddle? But anyway, it's a cliche, and we say it. Or a person is as ugly as sin. Those are cliches that we but now Christians also have their own cliches. Have you heard ever heard any of these here? Yeah? When God closes a door, he Ah, you know it. <laughs> Did you also know that it's not in the Bible? It sounds, sounds like a funny and sweet, you know, when you watch it in the sound of music, you know, and, and maybe you use it sometimes. But what about God will not give you more than you can handle? That's a very popular one. Also not in the Bible. Haven't you ever felt at times that you are carrying more than you can handle? Ask Job. Ask Paul us Peter and so sometimes we take a portion of the Bible we can take it out of context and we create these little phrases you know what about this one ah God helps those who help themselves but, you know, they, they seem so nice to say when, when somebody comes to you and they're sharing with you and they're talking to you and maybe sharing their problems or stuff like that. It's so nice to take one of them and just, just throw it at them, you know. And you kind can, of can throw this cliche and kind of walk away and let them ponder on it, you know. God helps those who we help. Well, this one apparently was, was launched by Benjamin Franklin. He's the author of this one. So at least you know that this one doesn't come from the Bible. comes from old Ben, all right? And then there are Bible verses, and this is what concerns me, and that's what the study is all about. There are Bible verses that we like so much that we like to place them on, on, on coffee mugs or T-shirts or, or bumper stickers. But then they can get so overused that when you read them, when you say them, do they still have the original meaning that it had. Do you still catch on to the full meaning of that verse? And so in this series, we will look at some of these popular verses and dig a little deeper in them. And we're going to start with a very well-known verse. It's probably one of the first verses that you probably memorized in Sunday school or in kids' church. Now, the proper understanding of this particular verse needs to change us, okay? If you understand this verse, it should change you, should change us, and it should also change how we relate to others. So let's see how you feel about it. Well-known verse coming up. John three sixteen. You know that verse, don't you? There it is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So John three sixteen. Ah, huh. John three sixteen. I've got a mug for it. See my mug. What do you get from this verse? What do you take away from this verse? Well, according to my magia, it says on the other side, loved. Loved. So my mug tells me that this verse tells me that I am loved. And it's true. Because God does love me. I am loved. And that is the title of part one of this series, God So Loved. Part one is called God So Loved. Amen? Because God loved us. Loved. Amen? Now, as believers, we have heard this verse so many times. So, so, so many times. But are we really grasping the meaning of it? By the way, I wonder how many of you have mugs at home. And how many mugs do you have? You know, over the years, we have accumulated so many mugs in our home. And there's only four of us. And from time to time, we discard them. In the end of last year, we had to discard a bunch of them. But right now, we still have over two dozen mugs for four people. What about you? I wonder if you have any mugs with Bible verses on them. You know, loved. John 3, 6. Every time I have my coffee over here, ah, it's empty. And that's the problem this morning. This cup is empty. Some of you watching. I know, you guys are watching, enjoying your coffee (laughs) there. Yeah, enjoy. Okay. We'll have to make a plan. Next Sunday, we'll have to put something in the cup. But anyway, so at home, I've got some cups that the verse is not on the outside. It's on the inside. And so while I'm drinking, I'm staring at the, I have to look at that verse. It's, it's probably better on the inside than outside because you kind of forget on the outside. You know, outside is for others to see. When I'm drinking my one, I can see it on the inside. They can be reminded. God so loved. John three sixteen. What do you hear when you hear this verse? When you see love, when you see John 3, 16, what comes to your mind? I, I, I wonder, what about non-believers? People that don't come to church, people that don't really believe in God. If they see the smug there on your desk and they read and they look at it, what will they see? What will they hear? What will they understand from our coffee mugs and t-shirts with Bible verses on what can you tell them about this verse? This is on your desk and a colleague comes and says, what's that all about? What can you tell them about this verse apart from the fact that you are loved? What's that on your desk, Valdir? Oh, it's a cup that reminds me that God loves me. God loves me. And what about me? Oh, I don't know. So let's look at this verse again, okay? And there are a few words I want to expand on to bring more clarity to this verse, all right? And let's see, God so loved, uh, look at the word so, look at the word loved, loved the world, okay? That he what? He gave his only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in, in whom? In Jesus should not perish, but have. Have what? Ever lost. It's, it's different words. So, love, world, whoever believes in everlasting life, have. You know, it's not every single word in this verse has meaning. But this verse initially tells us two things that God did. Can you see there in the verse, two things that God did? God so loved that he gave god loved and god gave if, if if you want to tell somebody about this verse if they want to know something about god from this verse here are the two things that people need to know about god from this verse god loved and god gave what do i need to know about this verse N- not just that i'm loved but that god loved and god gave amen god loved God loved what the world and that's an interesting word. It's the Greek word cosmos. Cosmos. And when we hear the word cosmos, you think of outer space, you know, the stars and cosmos, you know. But cosmos simply means the world, and it has different meanings in the New Testament. It can mean people, it can mean the earth, it can mean creation. But in this verse, it has a very particular meaning because in the New Testament, very often the word cosmos signifies something a little deeper than just people or the world that God created. Now, creation is beautiful. In fact, when when God created, he said, it is good. And I love, you know, know, being out there in the open and and watching beautiful nature, looking at wonderful sceneries. But this word is also used, not just to describe the beautiful creation of God, cosmos, but also the other cosmos, which is what? Describe and to point to the ugliness of fallen mankind. Somebody said, the planet Earth is beautiful. What spoils it are the people in it. Hello? And I mean, come on, guys. You don't have to be an expert or highly studied or very observant. It is just in your face. The ugliness of humanity. The terrible things that people get up to. Just listen to your news. Scroll down your social media. Look at the comments. Look at what people are saying and how nasty they are being to each other openly. Their names are there. (laughs) And yet they are insulting and they are being so ugly. The ugly. And so cosmos is used to describe that as well. This conversation... Or Jesus said these words in the context of a conversation with Nicodemus. He was a a, a Jewish. He was a a teacher. And he was a ruler of the Jews. Find you. And Jews were familiar with the truth that God loved the children of Israel. They were his special people. And so Jews knew very well that God loved them. But what about those Gentiles, those sinners? But you see, in in this passage, when Jesus spoke these words, in this passage, God's love was not restricted to race. When Jesus mentioned this, he didn't say God so loved the Jews. That he sent his son. He says God loved the world. And Nicodemus understood that God was not talking about a specific race. He was including everybody everybody. It showed that God's love is not restricted by race. And and this love is to be admired because it is so big that includes so many people. But that is not the the, the biggest thing about this love, that it's so big that includes many people. The, The amazing thing about this love, why this love must be admired is because the world is so bad. All these people are so bad, and God loved them all. That is the amazing thing about this verse. I mean, like I said, when I read this mag, what they tell me? That I am loved. But I mean, come on, guys. What is there not to love about me? Huh? Ask anyone who knows me. It's so easy to love me. And so when I read this verse, I think of people like me. No wonder God loved the world. <laughs> but he has the kick. loved doesn't only apply to me or to people that I like or people, come on, you know it. I don't care who you are. There's that circle of friends that you've got. You know those people. It's easy to love them. Those are the guys you enjoy hanging around with and inviting over for coffee, and you go and spend time with them. You might even go on holiday with them, and, and that's your crowd. It's your people. Easy to love them. But then all of us have also those other people. You know, the ones that... you. Not so keen on having coffee with them. Rather let them have coffee by themselves. You rather throw coffee at them, you know, rather (laughs) coffee with them. You know, those people, well, guess what? God loved them too. And that's the amazing thing about God and about understanding this verse. Now, you see. That word world has a bad connotation. You see, God loved the world, but you know what? He doesn't want you and I to love the world. In fact, the Bible tells us we are warned that to love the world is to be an enemy of God. Check this out. James chapter 4, verse 4. Do you not know, and by now you should know, okay? Do you not know that friendship with the world is what? Enmity with God. Wow. To be a friend of the world means you're an enemy of God? Whoa. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Ouch. But we live in this world. We are surrounded by the things of the world, the thoughts of this world, the ideas of the world, the, of this world, the habits of this world, the fashions of this world, the language of this world. And the Bible tells me that I, if I, I tune myself to that, if I connect myself with that, if I do like the world does, I become an enemy of God. That's cosmos, by the way. Do you not know that friendship with the cosmos is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the cosmos. You see, that's how this word is used. It portrays, it points to the ugliness of the world of mankind. We are told not to love the world. 1 John 2.15. Do not love the cosmos. Again. Do not love the cosmos. Or the things in the cosmos. If anyone loves the cosmos, the love of the Father is not in him. Can you see? That's the connotation of this cosmos which is used in John 3.16. God has nothing to do with the way of life of this world. He wants nothing to do with it. He does not approve of it. And it says if we engage in that lifestyle, in those thoughts, in those actions, and so on... We become enemies of God. You see, because cosmos means the mindset of the world. The way of those who do not know God. In Genesis 1 and 2, God creates the world and it's a beautiful thing. But six chapters in, only six chapters in, God wants to destroy what he created. Because of so much corruption, so much sin. And he does. He sends a flood. He saves one man and his family. But guess what? No sooner are they back on dry land, and things begin to happen again. Corruption and sin and ugliness multiplies. Hmm. And it is this fallen, this ugly, selfish, corrupt humanity... That God loved. Not just the nice guys. That's what he's talking about in John 3.16. He's not talking about the nature or the planet. He's talking about fallen people. The good people and the bad people. The people you like and the people you don't like. He loves you. He loves you. God loved. But God loved the world not to accept them not to accept the world not to agree with the world not to become one with the world god loved to rescue them to save them to change them to release them to become the god-like creatures they were created to become remember in genesis god created man in his image and likeness god created us to be godlike, to be his family his people but sin has not only separated us from God, but corrupted us, corrupted humanity, some to greater degrees than others. And so God doesn't want to come and love us and, and, have, and chill with us and agree with us. No, he wants to come and change us, save us, rescue us, help us to get back to what he originally created. The cosmos that God loved looked nothing like what he intended it. In his creation, the world that God looks at is not the world he intended it to be. And so, God is in the process of rescuing this world. It is a world in alienation, separated from God, and hostile to its creator's purposes. Amen. Therefore, this verse tells us that God loves that which has become hostile to God. So it's not a kind of a, a warm, fuzzy feeling of love. It's a love that loves something hostile. When you first read the verse, it doesn't seem like it because we read the verse with, our, with us in mind, our people, you know. But no, God loved a hostile world, separated from God and hostile to his purposes. Amen. And the startling force of this verse and the way it is formulated is this that God so loved the world, this alienated and undeserving world, that of His love He gave His only Son to die in order that such a world might be saved? Amen. God so loved. What about that word so? God so loved. You know, we often interpret that word God so loved as a measure of greatness. God so loved. He so loved. He so, 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 so loved the world that he gave. But that is not the meaning of so in this verse, okay? The word so here is not a measure of magnitude. It is true that he loved the world. But the word so in this verse is not a measure of magnitude. It is rather a way in which he loved. So here the word so means like this. In other words, God loved the world like this. He gave his only son. You see that? Now, Of course it is a great love. But this word is describing not the greatness of God's love because God is love. You're going to compare his love with us with what? So it's not how much he loved the world we know he loved the world intensely but this is how he loved the world he gave he gave you see true love gives come on guys when you like that girl huh don't you give you give your smile you give of your time you put your hands deep in your pocket to give her nice things and take out for coffee. Ladies, you do the same to that guy, don't you? When there is love, there is a giving. You like to give. Love and giving kind of go together, don't they? If you love somebody but you don't give anything, then question that love. <laughs> and you see, and, and this, is how, this is how God loved. He gave. So God loved And God gave. He gave his son to pay the price for our ugliness, of our ugliness. To clean the record of our offenses against God so that we could have a relationship with him again. So this is how God loved. Instead of destroying, he gave himself to change the world. Hmm? Now you understand the meaning of the word world. Now it makes his love amazing. Because if world means everything that goes against the grain of who God is. If when God sees the world, he sees hostility. He sees rebellion. He sees humanity against him. (laughs) And then he gives. He gives. That is how he loved. Instead of destroying, he gives. So Properly understood then, Jesus is saying like this. God loved our hostile world like this. But not by condemning it, but by giving his only son. So that those who receive the son will not suffer destruction. This is a bit of a different shade of meaning now, isn't it? This is how God loved, not by destroying, but by giving his son so that those who believe in him will not be destroyed, but have everlasting life. Now, this is what the love of God, this is what agape, the love of God does. It is selfless. It wants the best for us. It pays the price for the best for us. Sometimes we want the best for those we love, but we've got limitations. We can't change anything. But God did. He paid the price. Not only does he want the best for us, but he paid the price for the best for us. And now he invites us to accept his gift. Do you love like that? Uh, Remember, uh, this verse is is to help us understand more about God and the verse, but it's also supposed to change us. Right? Do you love like that? Uh, frankly, there are, there are people, there are certain levels of society that is hard for us to love. You, you read about them in the news. You see them. Like I said earlier, you can read, ab- read about these guys, what they say on social media. And you find it difficult to love them. But God loves them. And this is how he loves them. He gave his son to die for them. So that they could be rescued, could be changed, and could come back into fellowship with God. So, from this verse, we see that God did two things. God loved and God gave. Amen? God loved and God gave. So, the next question is, what must we do? Well, guess what? In that whole verse, there is only one thing that you and I can do about this. What is it? It says, so that whoever believes in there's only one thing we need to do believe in. Our part now is to believe in Him. Not just believe, not just believe that God exists, not just believe that there is one God. If you believe that God exists, and if you believe that there is only one God, if you believe that, well, you've reached demon status. Because the Bible says that demons also believe. That there is one God. And that God exists. So when people gotta, oh, I believe there is a God. I believe there is one God. Welcome. You, you, you reach demon level. Let's go a bit higher than that. When it talks about believing, it's not believing that God is, it's you gotta believe in. Believe in. Not just believe. To believe in is to put your trust in. I think one of the, what a good illustration about this, is What I'm about to do now, I, I sometimes like to, to teach sitting down on a stool. And this is a stool. It's a very nice stool. It's made of solid wood. Look at the lovely working. Yeah, on the, on the stool. It is sturdy. It is solid. It is a beautiful stool. It's a lovely piece of work. But friends, a stool is not made to be looked at or to be talked about. It's okay to talk about the stool and to share the stool. But a stool is to be trusted. Huh? And how do I trust the stool? How do I put my trust in this stool? I sit on it. If I trust the stool, I am going to Put my full weight in it. There you go. You know what I'm doing right now? I am trusting the stool to hold my weight and I hope it does not disappoint me. The whole world is watching, you (laughs) know. You see what I'm doing right now? I am I'm totally relaxed and I'm trusting this stool. I believe in the stool. How do you know that I believe in the the stool? How do you know that I believe this is a good stool? It's a proper stool. It's a strong stool. It's a sturdy stool. I believe in it because I trust it. I trust it with my weight, with my life. I'm putting my life upon the stool. And if you believe in Jesus, you don't just talk about him. You don't just believe that he exists or existed or whatever. You put your trust in him completely. Your whole life, your whole hope, your whole future, everything you are. You trust Jesus. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Believe in Jesus. Not just believe about. Not just believe that he is. (laughs) I believe in. That's the only thing we have to do. Oh, but Pastor, what about, what about baptism? And, and what about confession? And shouldn't I make a prayer? And, and shouldn't I I go to church? And, and shouldn't I read my Bible? Of course you should. But you see, all those things must come as a result of you believing in Jesus. You don't have to do all that so that you can be saved. You do all that because you are saved. You're that because you put your trust in Jesus. You you don't come to church to get cleansed up. You believe in Jesus. And because you believe in Jesus, you get to know his word. And when Jesus says, do this, you do that. When you read the word and it says, those who believed in were baptized. Oh, I better get baptized because I believe in. Those who believed in, they confess. Oh, I better confess. I I better. I've got. I've got to give up this, and I've got to start doing that. I. You see what I'm. There's a difference. You see, because now you believe in. He begins to change you, and the beautiful thing is this: because you believe in, the Holy Spirit is there to help you. There is no way you can do what God tells you to do by yourself. If it was possible, why on earth would He send Jesus? If we could get our act together, if we could get cleaned up, if this cosmos could sort itself out, there would be no need to send Jesus. But cosmos needs some help. (laughs) And so Jesus came. And when you believe in him, the Holy Spirit is there to help you become who he wants you to become. Amen. One requirement. Believe in. Now, what happens when we believe in? Well, the Bible says that verses, if you believe in him, you'll have what? Eternal life. You have eternal life. We have everlasting life. When I believe in, when I put my trust in him, I get this gift. It comes with the believing. As a result of me believing, I get this gift. Eternal life. What does eternal life mean? It simply means that those who believe in Jesus have a new life that starts in this life and continues in the next. It means we are connected with Him forever. Forever. Jesus said in John 11, verses 25 and 26, I am the resurrection, and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? You see, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe this, if you believe what he's saying, it means the following. I am alive now. But when I die, I don't die. Because I Change address. I continue living in his presence. Just like I'm living in his presence right now. But then I move into a different realm. I see him face to face. And I'm in his presence. It means that those who have died, our loved ones who believed in Jesus, it means when he returns, they're going to be resurrected. And they're going to live forever. You see? And so the fact is this, guys. Everybody is going to live forever. The gift of eternal life determines where we are going to live forever. Because we can either live forever in God's presence or not. We get to make a choice. And so the gift he gives us is if we trust in him, we have eternal life. We have. It's now. I have eternal life right now. I don't have to wait until I die. I have it right now because I believed in. And that's the beautiful promise of this verse. Amen? Hallelujah. So, I hope that John 3.16 is, is kind of gaining a, a fresh perspective in your heart and your mind. And that you are not just seeing it as a cliche, as that little verse that you learned as a kid and just said over and over. But it's becoming a bit richer to you. Now, John 3.16 is about that love. A love of a father... Who waits for the prodigal son to return. And when he does, instead of scolding him, instead of judging him, he showers him with love and acceptance. And John 3.16 is about that love. And the proof of that is the next verse, John 3.17. We often read just this verse and, uh, you know, the 3.16, we forget about what comes next. And that's often a problem with cliches and verse that we stick on mugs and t-shirts. We don't look at the whole context. But verse 17 says the following: John 3:17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Did you see that? Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus Came to save, and that's that's God's desire for this world. Jesus didn't come to condemn. In fact, if you continue reading the those verses after John 3:16, Jesus says in the following verses that the world is condemned already. Because of their hostility towards God, they have condemned themselves. We condemned ourselves when we turn our back to God. We don't need Jesus or God to condemn us. We do it all by ourselves. So Jesus didn't come to add condemnation. He didn't come to condemn us, but to rescue us, to save us. Mm. God loved the world through selfless, costly love. Even when it was lost and hostile. So how does this verse influence the way we relate to others? You know, we've been looking now at, at what God does, what must we do, and what we, we receive, our gifts. So so far we looked at our, our benefit when we embrace this verse. But I said in the beginning that the verse must talk to us, you know, change us, but also change how we relate to those around us. So how does this verse influence the way we relate to others? As Christ's followers... We have been invited to join the Lord in spreading His love to this world. The instruction of Jesus is, as you go about your life, spread the good news. And today we heard what the good news is. What is it? God loved and God gave. We believe in Jesus and we have eternal life. That is the good news. That's John 3.16. So, how can we obey God's command to love our part of the world? eh? Our city, our neighborhood, our community, the people we interact with. Well, we do this not in the sense that we conform ourselves to the world we live in. And whatever you work, whatever you study, whatever you live, there will be those tendencies and and trends and, and temptations for you to blend in and become like everybody else. No, we don't love the world by becoming like them. But we love the world by serving them sacrificially in order to help others come to Jesus. We live our life before the world. We live by the principles of God's word. We are different. We all look different. We all sound different. In some circumstances, will people notice us a mile away that we are? not the same, that we don't fit in. And it's okay, you don't have to fit in all the time. But as they deal with us, they're going to pick up in us a different spirit. And that's what it's all about. You see, because the cosmos is not so much about the outward appearance, it's about what's going inside, my mindset. The way I look at the world, the way I behave, the way I speak, the way I do things. And as people begin to to relate to me and, and to get to know me, they should see something different. As they relate to you and get to know you, they should see something different. Because you're not blending in with the world. You're not conforming with the world. But we too begin to learn from our Father to give ourselves, to serve sacrificially. Amen? Just like what God has done. God the Father did it. Lord Jesus did it. And now he invites us to follow him and serve sacrificially so that others may come to know God as well. So at the beginning of the message, I said that the proper understanding of this verse needs to change us and change how we relate to others. And so I hope that you have received some fresh insights and a deeper understanding of these words of Jesus, of John three sixteen. I hope that when you think of this verse, that it won't just be a verse in a mug for you, all right? but that you will reflect on this verse. Reflect on the manner in which God loved us, how he loved you. Reflect on our response to his love. What is your response to his love? Reflect on what it means to believe in him. Reflect on the gift of eternal life. Reflect on how we will allow his agape love to flow through us, to enable us to love the unlovable as God does. Amen. Praise God. Just by your heads, let us pray. Father, thank you for the way that you have loved us. Thank you for a beautiful verse like John 3:16, Lord, and please Lord, help us never to take this verse for granted, never to take it lightly. Never to think less than what it actually means, Lord. Thank you for the way you love this. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving yourself sacrificially. Thank you, Father, for loving and forgiving. Help us to believe in every day, Lord God. Help us to not love this world in terms of becoming like it. But help us to spread your love in this world, Lord. Even it means loving them sacrificially sometimes. And so, Father, we thank you for the way you have loved us. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this wonderful verse, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, before we close the service today, before we close the service, someone is going to be gifted with a mug. Yay! (laughs) All right. Now, I wonder if I can have those numbers. Uh, If Tashis can bring me the numbers. As you came in today, you got a little ticket, right? You got a little number. And so, I'm going to draw a number. And uh, if you are the lucky ticket owner, if you are the lucky ticket owner, thank you very much, brother. Thank you. If you are the lucky ticket owner, guess what? Huh? (laughs) (laughs) If you are the lucky ticket owner, I am going to pass this mug on to you. But you're not going to keep it. (laughs) I'm going to draw a ticket, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many have I got? Have I got one? Oops, I got two. I got one. All right, I got one. Now, if you are this ticket owner, I'm going to call you forward, and I'm going to pass on this mug to you, but you're not going to keep it. You are going to look at the congregation, and you are going to give this mug to someone that you feel needs a mug this morning. Number 33, where are you? Number 33. Now, all of a sudden, you don't want to show yourself up. <laughs> not me. No, I'm not here. No, 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 no. Ah, welcome, brother. <laughs> Thank you very much, my brother. Now, here you are. I'm going to give you the smug, all right? Number 33. Thank you. That's it. Here you are. So, now listen carefully. You can, you can look at the church, okay? It can be somebody you know, it can be somebody you don't know. I don't care, brother, who you give it to, all right? But I want you to scan the congregation and go and give this mug to whoever you think that needs a mug. All right? Go. You see, the Bible says God loves and God gives. So, brother, you're going to give. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Now, brother, don't go away. Brother, come here, please. The Bible also says, give and it shall be given. Thank you so much, brother. <laughs> God loves, God gives. Of course, it's much easier to give something which is not yours. However, I'm sure I was hoping it would be his, you know, but now you've got to give it away. <laughs> but you see, guys, God loves and God gives. Let us learn to love And to give. Sometimes even to people we don't know. Just randomly. And God leads you. You do it. Only eternity will reveal. Sometimes the result of our giving. Amen. Praise God. Let us stand up please. And let us. um, Wonderful. Now you see those of you who live in Pretoria. And are not here in church today. You see you, you could have been the one receiving the mug you know. If you're only here. You see what you missed? <laughs> All right, guys. I trust this has been a blessing to you. And over the next couple of weeks, you're going to be looking at other verses on mugs or T-shirts or stickers. And I hope it will be instructive and a blessing and encouraging to you. Let us pray. Father, thank you once again, God, for this time together. I pray now that the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, will be upon each one of us as we live every day with John 3, 16 in mind, knowing, being sure that God loved and God gave and God gave, that we believe in and that we have eternal life. And help us, Father, to make this message clear to those around us, to live it out and share your love with those who need it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The Lord bless you. Have a great Sunday. Hey, there's coffee today, so don't rush off home. Enjoy a cuppa, enjoy some fellowship, and we'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. Amen.